Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here we go. Welcome in, everybody. Episode 2. 87 of the podcast, it is Swimming America, the Air Tour Sports Podcast. It is Monday, August 31st, 2020, people. I hope everyone had a great weekend. I hope everybody enjoyed the return of college football. We actually got a great game between Central Arkansas and Austin P, but that's not really the point. Let's go P is another conversation for another day. What we need to talk about is the fact that we got college football back. All the naysayers, everybody that said it was not going to happen, it could not happen. I had a Pete Thamel article sent to me this weekend that said there is 0% chance college football is happening. Uh, yeah, it happened. Central Arkansas, Austin P. last week. We get five, six, seven games this weekend. And then September 12th is when the big boys kick off the ACC and the Big 12. Obviously, the SEC does not kick off until September 26th. But I hope you guys enjoyed college football. I hope you guys are ready for September. Cannot believe that it is already September. And we got a great show for you today. So here is the rundown of today's show. I am going to continue to dig in and go at the Big Ten as they continue to make one idiotic decision after another. I know some of you are probably tired of hearing about the Big Ten. I'm tired of talking about the Big Ten, but when they make stupid decision after stupid decision after stupid decision, I have no choice. The latest is now that they're talking about actually playing this year in college football, not waiting to the spring, but they're not going to kick off until Thanksgiving, which is somehow a worse plan than actually just pushing back to the spring. I'm going to continue to tee off on the Big Ten. No one in the media has been more right on this story over the last three, four weeks than I have. We will then transition to a little bit of on-the-field news. Jamar Chase, the best wide receiver in college football last year, star at LSU, opts out of the season. He has decided not to play. He is really the first First prominent player that is actually on a team that is playing this year that has decided not to play. I, uh, you know, all the all the doom doomsday naysayers in the media were saying that this is the start of a trend. Nobody's going to end up playing this year. 
they're idiots. They've been proven idiots. I'm going to tell you why this is not as big of a deal as you think. And we'll wrap with a little college football, or college basketball, excuse me. Lute Olson, the legend, he passed away right after I recorded the last episode last week. And anybody who's a college basketball fan over the age of about 30 remembers Lute Olson, remembers what he did at the University of Arizona. Uh, and it is worth honor, honoring him excuse me, on a day like today where, um, you know, where, where he was a guy that will forever be linked to one of the most prominent programs in college basketball. And frankly, he is the reason that Arizona basketball is what it is today, which is the best program west of Lawrence, Kansas, west of the Mississippi, whatever you want to say. Basically, on the West Coast, they are the best program in college basketball. It is a direct reflection of Lute Olson. All right, before we get started, people, I want to remind you guys, please make sure that you're subscribed to this Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. So many new listeners, I appreciate your support. You can subscribe on iTunes. Podcast Addict is, is the way to go if you have an Android Podcast Addict app. Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure to subscribe to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. And for people who don't know why you want to subscribe, it is so episodes are delivered straight to your phone. You don't have to search me out. You don't have to wonder when we're going to do a new episode, what time it's going to come up. It will be delivered straight to your phone. That is why you need to subscribe. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, where you listen, all the things that go into a rating and review. I appreciate all of you who have done that. Uh, and make sure to follow me on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast on Instagram, Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Search for Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. I do have a YouTube page that will be ramped up now that we're getting college football back. And, uh, oh, by the way, as I mentioned, I hate to brag, but your boy is on Cameo. For those of you who are not familiar with Cameo, it is basically a service where you can reach out to me and I can send you guys a personalized message, okay? And so essentially, if you have a son or daughter who listens to this show with you, a brother or sister who likes this show, a best friend, you can reach out to me. I will send them a personalized message from you, wishing them a happy birthday, a happy anniversary, good luck on your first day of school, whatever you need from your boy ATI. I'm there as long as it's appropriate cameo.com slash Aaron underscore Torres uh, one of you has already reached out so far and I very much appreciate it it is a fun service an easy way to connect with me so I am in fact on cameo cameo.com slash Aaron underscore Torres and with that said people no more time to waste college football is back Tomorrow, September 1st. I cannot believe that we are already in September. And before I get into today's show, I actually do want to say something really quickly. It's a message that I have delivered over the last two, three, four months, frankly, as we have all gotten through this pandemic together. And I just really quickly want to say thank you. And I was thinking about this on Saturday morning. It was funny. I was talking to my buddy, the spread investor who has been on this show, James Alberino. He is a great gambling resource. And we were just kind of going through some of the NBA games. We were talking a little college football. Um, and we were just talking about the fact that it is the first college athletics event. Central Arkansas, Austin P is the first college athletics event that we've had since March 12th when Creighton played St. John's at the Big East Tournament. And so I was really thinking about how far we've come 
And I don't think any of us envision the last six months going the way that it has. Uh, I know for some of you, it's been a real struggle. It's, it's been a struggle for all of us in different ways. And one, as I always say, I hope you guys are doing safe. I hope everybody is okay. I hope everybody in your family is okay. I hope mentally you're doing okay. Uh, not to be corny or cliche, but you are not the only one going through struggles. If you're working from home or you're out of work or you're dealing with kids at home in a way that you never have before. So one, I would say the last five, six months has brought us all unprecedented challenges, but I just want to thank you guys for sticking with me through this process. I could have never imagined where the last six months would take us starting March 12th here through September. And what I would also say is that you guys have stuck with me in a way that I couldn't even imagine. Not only has this show which as you guys have probably figured out by now, is almost entirely about college sports. Not only is this show maintained over the last couple months, but in, it is expanded in a ton of ways, right? Uh, I've said this many times, but for in August, we are about to set a downloads record for the third time in four months. We set a downloads record in May. We set a downloads record in June. July, you guys were on vacation. I get it. We did a ton of numbers, but not quite as high as previous months. And in August, we're about to break the previous record that came in June. And so it's because of you guys. It's because of all of the things that I've said many times on this show. And it's your willingness to share this show. It's your willingness to reach out to me. It's your willingness to download and listen during the course of your day. And I just want to thank you. So I don't want to be, I don't want to over-dramatize this. There's plenty to talk about, but I just, it hit me on Saturday that we really did go five and a half full months without a single college athletics event. And as a person who covers college sports, I could not have gotten through this without you guys. And so I just want to thank you. I am so happy that we have college football back. But it really just hit me. And I want to thank you guys for everything that you guys have done for this show. Uh, and as I said, the audience has grown. We are now going to three episodes a week, every week, now that we're in football. Uh, and it's a great time. It's a great time <laughs> to use a word for, from John Rothstein. I, I hope you bought stock in Aerotores a long time ago because this show is going to explode. Uh, and let's get into the actual meat of the show right now. And it is very simply, we are going to start with exactly what I told you we were going to start about, which is another disastrous, like preposterous decision from the Big Ten and I know all you guys know the story by now, but obviously, look, it goes without saying, for all the happiness that Central Arkansas and Austin P brought us on Saturday night, it also said in the reality that we got fired up to watch a Central Arkansas-Austin P game, and as of right now, we are not going to see Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Nebraska, Iowa, Michigan State. We're not going to see any of these teams in the fall. And so why I bring this up is because of the fact that the Big Ten uh, made headlines on Friday. We thought we were going to get something, and then we didn't. So let me explain what happened. And that was very simply that as we were all going about our day on Friday afternoon, we start to get these little breadcrumbs that the Big Ten is actually reconsidering playing college football and playing it in the fall, right? So, so for the last three weeks, they have, we are not playing college football. It is not safe, which is preposterous for all the reasons that I've said on this show all along. But they have been, they've drawn, we are not playing college football in the fall. 
I saw actually the Nebraska AD even went so far as to say Nebraska is one of those schools that is fighting hardest to play. He said about a week ago, it's over. We're not playing in the fall. And so all of a sudden you hear this story on Friday, like the Big Ten might actually reverse course. And you're thinking, this is great. They're finally coming to their senses. Their decision makes no sense. And then you hear the details of the plan and you realize, oh my God, these guys are dumber than we thought they were. They are so dumb. They are so idiotic. And the reason is very simply because of the fact that they are trying to now play games in the fall of 2019, 2020, I guess year's 2020. They're trying to play games in the fall of 2020, but they're not going to start until after Thanksgiving, to which it's just the ultimate emoji face palm, palm to the face. What are you doing, Kevin Warren? We are trying to give you the benefit of the doubt. We are trying not to publicly um, scorn you and criticize you. And you're just, you're just, you're, you're give, we're, we're trying to work with you here and be patient because we want college football. We don't want you to lose your job, but you're going to lose your job if we don't play Big Ten football. And so we get this news. Everybody gets excited. And then, oh, by the way, we hear that it's after Thanksgiving which actually, in my personal opinion, I think that that's actually a worse decision than just pushing back to the spring. And let me explain why. As I just mentioned, Central Arkansas Austin P played this week. We get five games next week, I believe, including BYU-Navy, probably the best game on the Labor Day weekend schedule. And then, like I said, September 12th, ACC, Big 12 are playing Oh, by the way, two weeks later, September 26th, the SEC is playing. All the big boys will be playing by the end of September. They will be ramping up their schedules in October into November. And now the Big Ten wants to start their season on Thanksgiving? How does that make sense? It makes no sense. At least if you're going to play in the spring, at least you have that window to yourself, right? Like I think playing in the spring is a completely idiotic idea for all the reasons that I've talked about on this show many times over the course of the last couple months. But at least if you're playing in the spring, you're just saying, you know what, Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia, LSU, you guys just just take the fall. Like like we're just we're not we're not playing. Like we'll, we'll we'll look at this after the new year, maybe around the time you guys are crowning a national champion, we will decide to play our season and we'll see what happens. It's idiotic, but at least they're sticking to their guns and saying it's not safe even though of course we all know that it is, but they're sticking to their guns. Now think about it like this. Think about the fact that they'd be starting Thanksgiving and all of a sudden you're talking about Alabama playing Georgia in the SEC championship game uh, uh, for a spot in the playoff and everything's on the line. And there's Ohio State Rutgers in week two of the season. How am I supposed to get inspired for Ohio State Rutgers week two when Alabama and Georgia are playing for the SEC championship? How am I supposed to get excited if I'm an Ohio State fan? Oh, week six, Penn State, second biggest game on our schedule behind Michigan State, behind Michigan. Oh, well, that's on the same day that Clemson is playing Alabama in the college football playoff. And nobody cares about Ohio State, not to mention all these, those other schools in that league. As I had somebody jo joke with me this weekend, they said, imagine the, the day of the college football playoff and uh, whoever ESPN is trying to sell us Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, and at noon Eastern, Illinois, Purdue. That's the, that's, the, that's the headliner. But that is the reality of what would happen if the Big Ten played a, a schedule that started on Thanksgiving. It makes no sense. Imagine opening week. 
Ohio State is playing Maryland at a time when Alabama is playing Auburn in the Iron Bowl. The week after, we're talking about week two and Michigan's playing whoever when Florida and Georgia winner goes to the SEC championship game. And I know they wouldn't be playing each other, but I'm just bringing up hypotheticals here. It just makes no sense, the idea of starting on Thanksgiving. And what it says to me is very simply, the Big Ten is finally starting to feel a little bit of heat from everything that we've talked about on this show over the last couple of weeks. They are starting to feel the heat from the parents who continue to protest, who continue to unite, who continue to ask questions, who continue to fight for their sons. The Big Ten is starting to feel heat by from the uh, excuse me from the players who I don't know if you guys saw this, but the players are now trying to sue the league to demand answers for what happened on Friday or Thursday. I can't even remember what day they're all running together. Eight Nebraska players brought a lawsuit against the Big Ten essentially saying that you're hurting our future earnings. One, we got this name, image, likeness stuff coming down the road. We're trying to earn some endorsements down the road. But also, if we're trying to play in the NFL, how are we going to play in the NFL if we can't play a season? And so the players have now started to sue the league. The parents are uniting. Our buddy Randy Wade, who was on this show last week, he had another protest in Columbus, much more attended than the first one, and the parents are demanding answers. The Big Ten is not going to get off the hook on this. I told you a few weeks ago, on top of those player protests that I just mentioned, the parents have hired Tom Mars, who is like the preeminent lawyer that everybody in the NCAA is terrified of. He is the guy that Shea Patterson hired when he didn't want to have to sit out a year at Michigan. He is the guy that Justin Fields hired when he did not want to sit out a year at Ohio State. And Tom Mars will drag the NCAA through the mud. He does not care. He's trying to do what's right for the players. He's trying to do what's right for the parents. And so I do think the Big Ten is starting to feel the heat. I do think they're starting to realize these parents aren't going to stop. These players aren't going to stop. And we got to do something to figure out what is an appropriate way to get these people to shut up. And to their credit, they're not stopping. And to their credit, I don't think they should stop with this situation. But I think the Big Ten is really starting to get afraid right now. And so what I think the, the leak that came on Friday, and remember, everything that the Big Ten has done since July has been a strategic leak to try to get public sentiment on their side. That's how we got in this situation. They tried to sell us that it wasn't safe. They tried to sell us that uh, they were going to be the heroes that canceled football before everybody else, and the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 would look terrible. Didn't happen. And now they're trying to be the heroes again by bringing back college football this fall. But again, it doesn't make sense. It does not make sense the idea that, oh, by the way, uh, Alabama's playing Oklahoma in the playoff and we got Rutgers, Ohio State. Like, like, it doesn't make sense. And so I hope the parents keep fighting. And by the way, I think even the coaches now are involved. And the coaches on Friday, if you read the reports, were basically like, no, that's not good enough. We want to start the season sooner. We want to start the season and have a, a season that runs almost parallel to what the rest of college football is doing. And that is the disappointing and frustrating part of this whole situation if you are, in fact, a fan of a Big Ten school. Is that this this plan doesn't make sense. Starting the season when the when the rest of the season is basically going to be done, it doesn't make sense. 
First off, you're starting after Thanksgiving. You're playing through the Christmas holiday, which means that you're going to be practicing and playing Christmas week. You're going to be practicing and playing New New Year's week. Meaningless regular season games, by the way. I mean, imagine trying to be Purdue's head coach and, and the team is one in four and you're trying to get them fired up to practice on Christmas Eve. It's just not going to happen. But beyond that, you think about the calendar It doesn't have to be this way. We still have time. We still have time to get a Big Ten schedule back on track. And why I say that is look at the rest of college football. Look at the rest of college football. First of all, with the Big Ten, remember, most of these teams, if not all of these teams, they're still on campus. And in one of the dumbest parts of this whole situation that nobody's talking about, they're still showing up to the facility to train every day. So it's not as though these guys all got shipped off back to mom and dad's house and they've been sitting on the the couch eating Skittles all day. They're still on campus. They're still taking classes. And in a truly idiotic move, they're still expected to show up to the facility and work out. Which, by the way, credit to the players at Michigan, credit to the players at Penn State and Ohio State for actually doing that. Because if I was in college, I don't know how fired up I would be to continue to work out after I've been working out all season when there's no games to be played. But I continue to bring it up because if you look at the calendar, we still have almost four full weeks before the SEC starts. And so the fact that all of these teams are still on campus, the fact that they're continuing to work out, there is no reason the Big Ten, as we record here on September 31st, uh, August 31st, there is no reason the Big Ten can't say, we are, this is, the, this is the new schedule. There's no reason this cannot happen. Remember, guys are already on campus. They're working out. Why can we not get them back on the practice field by the end of this week? Why can we not get them back on the practice field by the end of this week and start the season right around the first week of October. You do that, you give the teams about five full weeks to actually practice, to get in pads, to get reacclimated to hitting, and if you start the first week of October, you still got only one week gap between when the SEC, the SEC does not start until September 26th. So you mean to tell me that on August 31st, we can't make a decision to get practice going by September 3rd and that we can't play by August 4th or 5th? It makes no sense. Even August or October 4th or 5th, even October 12th, you could start the second week and still get in an eight-game schedule. And here's the other part. Remember, the SEC championship game is two weeks later than it usually is. So the SEC championship game isn't being played until December 19th. So why can't we get these kids back in the facility this week, which they've already been, back on the practice field this week, start October 4th, and all of a sudden you're talking about what? What is that? That's that's about 12 weeks. You got 12 or 10 weeks, excuse me. You got 10 weeks, eight, four in October, four in November, two in December. You pick two teams and you let them play for the conference championship on December 19th, just like the SEC is. There is no reason we can't do that. There is no reason we cannot squeeze in an eight-game schedule starting October 1st, crown a Big Ten champ, and get them back in line with everybody else. The Big Ten needs to admit they're wrong. They need to, and they just need to adopt the fact that this can still be done. And so I hope the, the players continue to fight, and I hope the coaches continue to fight and just say, this is not good enough. This is unacceptable. We can pull this off. By the way, I don't know if you saw this headline. Over the weekend, Michigan, one of their guys on the staff tweeted out that they had zero positive tests 
during the month of October. That is an insane stat. Zero positive tests the entire month of October. I'll read you the tweet verbatim from my buddy Sean McGee, a guy I know. He said, enormously proud of Michigan football players. For the month of August, we administered 822 COVID tests with zero positive results. Zero positives out of 822 at Michigan. And we can't play football, and it's not safe. And so I hope these coaches keep fighting. I hope these players and parents keep fighting. Because again, there is no reason they cannot be playing the first week of October. But they need to continue to fight, and they need to say no to this garbage Thanksgiving plan. It's unacceptable. It doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. I'm just curious to see if they can actually pull it off. I think the big thing now is to continue to put pressure on the people that are feeling the heat. It's not just Kevin Warren, but it is also the school presidents, and it is also, even in some cases, the governors of these states. My understanding is when you look at the Big Ten footprint, there is one person more than anybody else that is holding this whole thing up, and that is the governor of Michigan, whose name is Gretchen Whitmer, okay? Gretchen Whitmer, who sounds like, I'm just going to call her Cruella DeVille, because that's what she is. She's crushed the souls of everyone in Big Ten country. Gretchen Whitner, she is the um, governor of Michigan, and she has been one of the most outspoken people about the, the fears of coronavirus, the fears of COVID, and she went so far this week as to say that she was proud of the Big Ten for making the decision to cancel the season, which... I'm pretty sure did not play well with anyone in her state. They've also canceled high school football, and so we got to keep putting the pressure on. The coaches have to keep putting the pressure on. The parents keep having to put the pressure on. The players do. If you want to help, I told you this weeks ago, go ahead, email the governor's office. Email the governor's office in Michigan, Gretchen Whitner, Corella DeVille, and tell her this is not acceptable. Tell her this will not work for you. We need to get football back on the field in October and play a full Big Ten schedule. It's only fair to the players who've worked so hard, who have been responsible. It's only fair to the parents. It's what's best for their physical health. It's what's best for the mental health. It's what's best for the economy of the states. I've been telling you for months, the economic effects of no football are going to be crippling on these athletic departments, on these towns. You need, we need to continue to push. That is the big one. Michigan, I believe, is the one that's holding it up, their governor, Gretchen Whitmer, and then also their uh, their school president has a background in infectious disease. But listen, the data's out at this point, right? You saw the data on Sunday from the CDC, which said that something in the neighborhood of 6% of people who have died with, who have died and been marked as COVID deaths, about 6% of those people died from COVID. Not to say that it's not serious, not to say that we don't wish that no one died from this situation, but what the CDC basically said on Saturday, on Sunday, excuse me, is that 6% of all COVID deaths were directly related to COVID, which means that 94% came from other, you know, other, what's the word? I've, I've been talking about this so much and I can't even remember the word. Uh, the uh, other comorbidities, right? Diabetes, high blood pressure, overweight. COVID didn't help, but COVID was not the primary reason. And so I think that Governor Whitmer is already feeling enough heat with that. I think a lot of these people are feeling heat as we get more information. It'll be interesting to see, but I'm just telling you, I don't think this Big Ten fight is over, and I do hope these parents, these players do keep fighting. All right, 
I do want to transition to the other big story in college football this this weekend, and that was the decision on, I guess it was Sunday morning from LSU star wide receiver Jamar Chase that he will pull himself out of the, the college football season this year and prepare for the NFL draft. And I think he is by far the biggest name that has decided to do that, and he is certainly the biggest name among players who are on teams that are actually playing this year that have decided to do it. So if you remember, Micah Parsons, star linebacker from Penn State, pulls out pretty early when when the whole Big Ten stuff starts. Are they going to play? Are they not going to play? What does it all mean? Uh, Rashad Bateman, unbelievable wide receiver at Minnesota. Big Ten isn't sure if they're going to play. He pulls out. But Jamar Chase is the first guy from a team that is actually going to play this year that's really marquee and there's been a few others like I said the kid Caleb Fairley from uh, Virginia Tech but he's the first one from a team that is really good that is going to play that decides to pull out and of course everyone starts freaking out right all the same stupid media members that have been saying we're not going to get college football now they're saying oh he's going to be the first of many really he's going to be the first of many because we've been going through this whole spin cycle for about five, six, seven weeks now since players first returned back to campus, since, pl- since outbreaks first happened. Remember back in July when LSU had an outbreak on campus and Clemson had an outbreak on campus and there was no way we were going to play? We've gotten all the way to September, and now you're telling me that all these guys are going to pull out? Listen, I am not saying that other guys will not pull out. But, as a matter of fact, I think Memphis's running back just pulled out who was a really good 1,000-yard rusher. But I think Jamar Chase is a very unique situation. I think you have to look at it from Jamar Chase's perspective. First of all, for people who do not know, best wide receiver on the best team in college football last year, and maybe, by the way, one of the best wide receivers, uh, you know, one of the best wide receivers on the best team in recent college football history This was a kid that won the Bolitnikov as the top wide receiver in college football for the best team in college football, and he has decided to move on because he's going to be a top five pick. And I think that's what makes this story so unique. Oh my God, all these guys are going to pull out. Well, first of all, he's a top five pick, and he is one of the few people. You could maybe even make the argument that among the guys that are still playing, outside of Trevor Lawrence, no one has less to gain and more to lose by playing college football this year than Jamar Chase. Because think about it, he is already the top wide receiver in this class. He is already going to be a top 5 to 10 pick. And so if he comes back, there's essentially no chance that he can improve on that draft stock. Now, can he be a better player? Absolutely. But think about the team that he is coming back to. He caught passes last year from a... Heisman Trophy winning quarterback who put up statistically maybe the best season in the history of college football in Joe Burrow. He had other insane talent around him. Best wide receiver on the team besides him, Justin Jefferson, ends up being a first-round pick. Running back, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, ends up being a first-round pick, Kansas City Chiefs. The defense was great. The O-line was great. Well, now you're coming back to a team, and if we're being honest, LSU is still going to be good, but they're probably not going to win the national championship. And on top of the fact that they're probably not going to win the national championship, he will be playing with a first-time starter at quarterback. And so if the quarterback is at Joe Burrow, and if the guys lining up from him aren't Justin Jefferson, aren't Clyde Edwards-Alaire, then a lot more pressure is going to be on him, and a lot more focus of the defense is going to be on him. 
And so, of course, he's going to leave. Why would he come back? There's some agent in his ear offering him probably, you know, fifty or $100,000 to sit out for this year. We'll let you train. We'll put you up in an apartment. We'll send you to Miami or to Vegas or to somewhere cool. You don't have to go through workouts at LSU. You don't have to go sit in sociology class. You don't have to pretend to care in some online class. And, oh, by the way, there's still a chance that college football might not be played. Now, I think we're pretty much past that point, but a lot can change between now and September 26th. And I do think it's interesting that this situation came at a time when LSU did, in fact, suffer some outbreaks last week. I believe they had to cancel practice. Their whole O-line basically tested positive for COVID. And so I only bring this up because this is such a unique scenario. And so, no, I do not see a million guys pulling out of this college football season on teams that can play, assuming nothing crazy has happened. Think about it. The gauntlet's been put down. Trevor Lawrence said, I want to play. Justin Fields, who isn't even playing, said, I want to play. And I look at the situation now, and it's like, we're already almost through training camp. We're almost to the finish line. And I believe we're in a situation where you look around the rest of college football, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe there's been a single player at Alabama who's pulled out of the season. I don't believe there's been a single player at Clemson that's pulled out of the season. I don't believe there's been a single player at Georgia who's pulled out of the season. Florida, Texas A&M, Notre Dame. I mean, these are the teams that people think can make the college football playoff and win a national championship. Jamar Chase, he's on a good team, but are they really going to compete for a national championship? And does he have a lot to lose? Yes, he does. By the way, interesting side note on top of that. I saw some people on Twitter, oh, well, this is just proof that, you know, going forward, I think top juniors are going to pull out and not even play their junior. Like, could that happen? Yes. Do I think that's a little bit extreme? I do, and let me tell you why. Because first off, most guys, again, cannot afford to miss a whole year of football and not have their draft stock hit. Look at the basketball perspective. You guys know I cover college basketball. Think about all the guys. Oh, they'll just sit out for a year. How did it work out for Mitchell Robinson? He ended up being a second-round pick. How did it work out for Darius Baisley? He ended up being a late first-round pick. Maybe that's good enough, but maybe he probably, if he had just gone to college, would have been a lottery pick. Everybody wants all these alternatives where you just don't play. But as Deion Sanders said, do you remember Deion Sanders a few weeks ago when players in the NFL were talking about opting out and Deion Sanders just came out and said, guys, the sport's going to move on without you? Well, that's exactly what happens. And so to me, yes, I could see the scenario where the occasional player sits out a junior year, maybe a running back, maybe a wide receiver, maybe a guy that doesn't want to take hits to his body. But guys got to play. You got to play. And if you have a chance to compete and you have a chance to win, most guys are going to take advantage of that. I would also add, there's two other variables that I don't think anybody's talking about. One, I do think that name image likeness will become a factor in this, right? Imagine if Jamar Chase two years from now was in the same position. Well, maybe he signed a contract with the local car dealership to make 25, 30, 40, 50, whatever the number is, $1,000 a year to appear in a bunch of car commercials. Well, all of a sudden, one, you're getting paid probably just as much by that car dealership as you would be by an agent. Two, you keep playing. And three, you might even be in breach of contract if you just quit the season. I don't know. I don't think any of us know enough about this name image likeness stuff right now, but that's a possibility. The other thing I think we have to consider, I think we're, we're heading towards a future not all too far from now where we have an expanded playoff. And the guys who are starting to sit out of bowl games are guys that aren't going to play in the playoff, right? I don't believe, correct me if I'm wrong again, and I usually am not, so I don't think anybody from a playoff team has ever sat out of the playoff when they're healthy. 
guys have set out if they're injured from other bowl games, but not the college football playoff. Now, what I do think will happen, this is, see, see, this is, let me just say this really quick. This is why you listen to this show. I've been ahead on everything. I've been ahead on the Big Ten. I just, I'm, I'm ahead of the curve. What I do, th- I don't think people will sit out their whole junior year. This is what I do think is going to happen in the future. Mark it down, August 31st, 2020. AT said it's going to happen, so it's going to happen. And that's this. I do believe that we will get a scenario where towards the end of a player's junior season or even towards the end of a player's senior season, if their team isn't very good, but if their draft stock is high, then we could have a scenario where a player leaves, right? So like, let's just use, I won't even pick a team, but let's just say in a normal season, you play 12 games, right? Top, you know, top seven, eight, 10, 15 teams are in conversation for the playoff. Say you're on a team that's seven and, that's a bad example, six and four, 10 games into the season. And you're the best wide receiver or running back or cornerback in college football. Then I could see the scenario where you just say like, dude, I'm out. Like, like, there's no reason for me to play these two games. We are out of the playoff conversation. We're not getting back in the playoff conversation. Uh, and I'm just not going to play, you know, some random rivalry game and hurt my draft stock. And so that is the scenario that I could see happening. But I don't think that guys are just going to skip their junior year very often. All right, last topic before I get out of here. And that is the passing of Lute Olson, the former head coach at the University of Arizona. He passed away Thursday night. He passed away at the age of 85. And he is, by all accounts, I believe, one of the greatest coaches in the history of college basketball. And I also believe he's one of the great program builders in college basketball. So first of all, kind of a cool side note is his background. One, and this is really crazy if you really think about it. He was actually like a high school coach into his mid-30s, goes to take a, takes a community college job, then he replaces Jerry Tarkanian at Long Beach State. That's kind of cool. Jerry Tarkanian's the man, although Lute Olson did not like him. They beefed throughout their careers, in large part because there was NCAA sanctions when he took over Long Beach State, neither here nor there. Um, goes to Iowa, leads Iowa to a Final Four in 1980, and he gets to Arizona. And I think we all look at Arizona the way that it is right now today. And I think we all think, oh, like Arizona's always been this good. They weren't all this good when Lute Olson got to the University of Arizona. This was a team that went 4-24 and the year before he arrived. And by, I believe, his fourth year, is that right? I want to say his fourth year? They were 4-24 and in his first year. And by year... Four, year five, they made the final four. Insane. Four and 24 to the final four in five years. Unbelievable. As I mentioned, they had made one Elite Eight before he got to the University of Arizona, and that was in a contracted field with 32, 48 teams, whatever. They go to seven Elite Eights, four Final Fours, and they win the 1997 National Champion. Many of you, of course, are Kentucky fans. You remember that game. Kentucky was going for back-to-back. Arizona wins for the Arizona fans. I know you remember really well. And here's the other thing about Lute Olson is it reminds me a lot of a guy that I grew up rooting for, Jim Calhoun, which is that 
many years that Lou Dolson did not win the national championship, he had a team that was good enough to do it. They just couldn't get over the hump. The year after they won the national championship in 97, they returned everybody in 98, were good enough to win a national championship that year. 2001, they were good enough to win a national championship when they lost in the title game to Duke. 93, they had maybe the best team in the country going into the tournament. One of the best teams, I should say, probably not the best. They lose in the first round to Steve Nash in Santa Clara. 94, they get to the Final Four and lose to Arkansas. And so that is the mark of a great coach. He, he quote-unquote only won one, but he had his team in the conversation every year. And I think when I think back about his teams, I think about how good they were, how skilled they were, how many good players came through that program. I mean, you talk about the players that came through. Gilbert Arenas, Steve Kerr, Jason Terry, Richard Jefferson, Damon Stoudemire, friend of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, Damon Stoudemire. Uh, I said Richard Jefferson, Channing Fry, on and on and on and on and on. Um, two quick thoughts when I think of Lute Olson, and then we'll get out of here. The first one is the way we view Arizona now is directly reflective of who Lute Olson was. And what I mean by that is very simply this. Arizona is the best program west of Lawrence, Kansas, and it's because of Lute Olson. It's because of the program that Lute Olson built. I can tell you this, guys. I know college basketball pretty well. For those of you who are new to the show, we're going to talk a ton of college hoops on this show. For those of you who have listened to this show all along, thank you for the support. You guys know I know college hoops. What I can tell you definitively, there are only a few programs that spend in a way in which the fan, they spend because the fan base expects to win a national championship every year. Kentucky's one, Louisville's one, Duke is one, North Carolina's one, Kansas is one. Those schools give their student-athletes whatever they need to compete at the highest level because it's what the fans demand of the program. I have had uh, players, agents, people tell me kids get taken care of better at Kentucky and Duke than they do in some cases in the NBA because that's how you recruit at the highest level. you got to offer them uh, a masseuse, personalized chef, all the things that you need. By the way, this is why I always cracked up when people were like, oh, Zion Williamson's going to lose 15 pounds when he gets to the NBA. Wait till he gets a, into an NBA strength and conditioning program. It's like, dude, I guarantee you Duke probably has better strength and conditioning staff than the New Orleans Pelicans do. Anyway, I'm getting off topic, and I bring this up to say that there is only one program on the West Coast that competes the way and provides for their players the way that Duke and Kentucky and Carolina and Kansas do. That's the University of Arizona. There is nothing that a player can get at Duke or Kansas or Kentucky that they can't get at Arizona. That is a direct reflection of the program that Lute Olson built and the demand from that fan base that their program be able to compete on a national level. Um, speaking of the fans, I got to give them a ton of credit too, man. You know, the, 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 the Pac-12 has such a bad reputation and I think much of it is justified. But the one fan base that is absolutely an exception is Arizona. For the Arizona fans listening, and I know we have some, um, for the Arizona fans listening, I know we have some, the Pac-12 tournament, the turnout from Arizona fans is incredible. They, ca they call it the Arizona Invitational because in the same way that Kentucky has 95% of the fans at the SEC tournament, the way that UConn and Syracuse back in the day had 95% of the fans at the Big East tournament, the way that uh, Carolina and Duke run the ACC tournament, it is the exact same way at Arizona. 
with the Pac-12 tournament. The Pac-12 tournament is 95% uh, Arizona fans. I did a story on it for The Athletic a few years ago. Arizona fans will start booking plans for the next Pac-12 tournament as soon as the previous one ends. Like That is a fact that is indisputable. It is all because of Lute Olsen. It is because of the expectation he has built. And finally, the last thing I would say on Lute Olsen is that the way that people knew him, and I didn't know him. I, only, I did interview him once. Uh, I was towards the end of his life. You could tell towards the end maybe he wasn't as cognizant or as sharp as, as he may have once been. Um, but the way that Arizona fans and people around that program talk about him really does remind me of a guy that I grew up rooting for, which is I just mentioned Jim Calhoun, a guy that was larger than life, bigger than the community, built the entire program, the entire state. He's revered in the entire state, revered for what he did. There are generations of kids who grew up alongside Lute Olson, the way that they grew up alongside Jim Calhoun, like myself, the way they grew up alongside Jim Beheim at Syracuse, the way that they're now growing up alongside John Calipari at Kentucky. I mean, that's the crazy part, right? We have kids in middle school now. We have kids entering high school that really don't remember the time before John Calipari was the head coach at Kentucky. Lute Olson had that same impact. And as I said, an absolute living legend, a guy who really one of the great program builders in the history of the sport, and he built a program that I'm telling you, Arizona can match up with Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina in any way in terms of fan support, interest, facilities, all that stuff. It's directly because of Lute Olson. So RIP to a legend. All right, I think that's it for today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Uh, we are officially, look, we are now on the three times a week plan. I had really been, I had been really wanting to do it. I had been somewhat hesitant to do it, in large part because I didn't really know if there was going to be college football. Now there is college football. Um, and so because of it, we are absolutely going to go to three days a week. And guess what? As we actually start talking closer to college football, we'll actually start talking real college football. I should mention a few things coming up on the show one, I just mentioned a legendary coach in Lute Olson. I actually have an interview that I did about three weeks ago with the legendary former Georgia Tech coach, Bobby Kremens, which is a really, really fun listen. And it was funny because I did it around the time of the Archie Miller interview. And I was planning on running it because I didn't think there was going to be very much news in early to mid-August. And then the Big Ten thing happened, and every day we have been talking the Big Ten. So later this week, probably on Tuesday's show, I will run an interview with Bobby Kremens, former head coach at Georgia Tech. He's the guy who recruited Stephon Marbury. He's the guy who recruited um, uh, Kenny Anderson. He's the guy who took Georgia Tech to a Final Four. And it was really when I had Josh Passner on and I asked him about the glory days of Georgia Tech that I thought it might be fun to get Bobby Kremens. So I had him on. He talks about the Final Four run in 1990. They actually lost to UNLV in the Final Four. That famous year where UNLV ran Duke out of the gym, one by 30. Georgia Tech had UNLV beat the game before UNLV comes back to win. So that interview will run later this week. And also probably a little college hoops note. I do think I have some interesting stuff on Jay Lucas, who is going to be a Kentucky assistant. I talked a lot about David Patrick, the assistant recently hired at Arkansas. I will get into Jay Lucas when that news becomes official. But look out for that stuff. But we are officially on a three times a week schedule and I want to thank you guys for the support. Again, 
Cannot believe that we are now in week one of college football. Cannot believe that we have gotten here after the spring fall, spring and summer that we had. And I cannot thank you guys enough for all your support. So before I get out of here, if you're not already subscribed, please make sure to do so to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, iTunes, the Podcast Addict app. If you have an Android, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Also make sure to rate and review the show Go ahead and give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres. And what is it? I'm tripping on my own words. Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast on Instagram. If you just search Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, you'll find it on Instagram. Find me on YouTube. Finally, Cameo. Get a personalized message from your boy, cameo.com slash Aaron underscore Torres. That is all for today's show. Shout out to my boy, Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. And I will be back later this week, probably tomorrow, with Bobby Krause. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.